At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Oh, I love that sound. This is a good one. for sure, especially after game fair. I bet. I bet a bunch of people are jonesed up and we've been leaving them hanging for two weeks. Oh well. I've been getting comments like, hey, how come you haven't been making uh, any, because like, yeah, we're getting close and uh, yeah, the reason was I was sick for like a week and a half and my voice was pretty shoddy. I don't, I don't want to have people listen to me all there. That and uh, just busy i mean the game fair like i don't know there's just a lot going on there's a lot going on i'm working on having less and less going on as we approach season though so i can screw off a whole bunch (laughs) by screwing off you mean (laughs) hunting a whole bunch i mean polishing reeds if you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) the old-fashioned way (laughs) so anyways um how do you think our season's going to be? Because I think it's going to be good. Uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. There's a lot of birds around. Those Delta Waterfall guys put out another podcast of doom and gloom. Oh yeah, yeah, they might be right. <laughs> what were they? What were they saying? Let's spike their show. Well, um, it was just I think on their YouTube channel. Just you know, the fall flights is going to be much depleted from from a fall flight we're all used to but they also noted you know this affects the prairie pothole region breeding birds not boreal breeding birds and not you know further north uh, breeding birds or birds who breed in other habitats other than prairie potholes right and uh and they did also caveat that uh the breeding bird population is still high. Like there's still a high population of ducks out there. They're just, you know, we don't hunt a, we don't hunt a breeding population though. We hunt a fall flight, which should be a shitload more. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I feel like we had a pretty good, um, hatch success rate here. I I think we did too. I I mean, I think we had a really good one here. I mean, this, Minneapolis isn't exactly, you know, prairie pothole. It's kind of urban, right. or suburb. Yeah, 
And I think, all right, that's a whole maybe a whole nother subject. But as far as I, catching our molts as they come back through, I mean. And I think our molts are going to come through hard. We, I, I swear some have already come through, but. I think you might be right. Uh, some, some guys reached out to me and said they shot some Saskatchewan bands in North Dakota. And, uh, and, they, and there were direct recoveries, direct meaning banded this year. Right. Well, see, there you go. I'm not that crazy. Well, I, we're, we're, when you talk about a molt migrant, though, I mean, those, those geese are coming from way up north. You know, this could have been just across the border, 150 miles in Saskatchewan, and it moved, you know, True. a little bit. I mean, birds that are, are typically our molt migrants are, um, I mean, Churchill and north, like even way further north of Churchill. Or getting those ones that are banded in Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. Yeah, right. But those got banded last year or the year before, and right now they're in parts unknown, right. Hudson Bay. Way north. Way north. north. And they sh- they should have started their molt migration now. Like in the last day or two or coming up in the next couple of days, they will they will have started making their journey south and i've been looking at weather in churchill the last couple few days and it's like 60 there during the day 65 pretty nice nice. and it's getting down to like 42 at night jeez let's go on a vacation that sounds glorious (laughs) it opens september 1st there let's go (laughs) that'd be a fun little trip but i was also looking at like daylight hours up there and since august 1st they uh they've lost about two and a half hours of daylight already since august 1 so that's really kind of i kind of figured that's what triggers migration is the daylight hours we're up that far north they have so many daylight hours like 19 at some points in the summer 20 well and you would think i mean the the growing you know they're not going to be producing a lot of like fresh foods and that like they got to start thinking with their stomachs too at some point in time like what's the food availability up there they're not getting much I, new growth when they only have eight hours of daylight no they they still got more than that i think they still have like 15 16 oh, but okay. but i mean that's down from 19 so every day they're losing like 10 mm-hmm. to 20 minutes of daylight and that stacks up pretty quick over a week and over two weeks. Wow. I mean, they're down down a couple few hours already this month. They're starting to notice that. It's getting chillier. If that is what spurs the molt migration to go south, I honestly, I couldn't tell you definitively what that might be. Yeah. Who knows? It probably is daylight. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a combination. It's hard to... We need, we need a biologist to, to crunch those numbers. The data's probably there. That's like one of those things where you, you take, I don't know what it's called, but you take data from other studies and then you, you know, apply it to a different theory. Have you noticed oak trees dropping acorns all the fuck over the place? Yes. Like Did we talk about this already? Weeks? I don't think so. Because I've been doing some research on that too. Because I don't know anything about it until earlier this afternoon. Yeah, they've been dropping like crazy. Right. And you'd think like in a drought year. They wouldn't because hmm. acorn because like oak trees don't drop a lot of acorns every year they drop some but then they do this thing where they do like 
30 times the amount of acorns or 300 times the amount of acorns as normal. It's called a uh, mast year. Mm-hmm. It happens every two to five years in oak trees. Yeah, they don't really know why. Right, and all the trees in the region will do it. And they think it might be predator satiation. satiation? So, like, you just overwhelm the squirrels. Sure. So you make sure, <laughs> yeah, you give them so much food they can't possibly get it all, so they're going to... They, well, they, like squirrels literally plant them because they bury, they bury them to find them later, and they don't always remember where they buried them. So, yes, they do. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of thinking, and then I also learned that in a drought year, like they'll be making acorns, and then halfway through the summer, if it's uh, you know they're not getting a lot of rain, they might say like, "This is not going well." Uh, well, I should I, not. I should not have made these acorns, and then well, they shit them. They, they shit did, them all out. When they did inter- some of that. Miniature. They did some of that at my house. We got one big uh, oak that like overhangs our back deck, and it was probably a month or so. They started dropping little like it's mostly just that little hat on the acorn and little tiny acorns in there. It dumped a bunch of those, but it still retained some, and now it's dropping like full size ones. Okay. And I almost got to wonder, like, what does a waterfowl prefer out of the acorns? Are they going to migrate to areas that had mast years for oaks, especially mm-hmm. ducks like wood ducks? Wood ducks would, for sure, you would think. Because cause they're doing a lot of drake wood ducks through the upwards northern molt migration in late summer. However, this drought is super good for wild rice. Is it? It's wild rice is ridiculous this year. Really? I have a buddy that um, posted, he, he harvested wild rice for the first time. It's a little early, but he went out, and the picture he posted of just, like, this vast expanse of rice, the people that are interested in rice are looking at that. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the 100 blueing teal that are flying over. <laughs> <laughs> like, nice. Where is this exactly? <laughs> Ev- everywhere? I've always wanted yeah. to go do that wild rice harvest, too. That looks fun. Yeah, we're, we're going to try it this year, I think. And like he even said, he's like, yeah, it'll be, it's not really that good yet. It still needs to ripen a lot. So the next week or two is it'll get good. Okay. It's kind of a, it's, it's, it's an endeavor that nobody wants to hear. I, I could go through it, but nobody listening I, to this cares. <laughs> I read the regulations once and it's like, your whacking stick must be X. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. It can only be so, it has to be a certain size. And yeah, there's all sorts of weird regulations on it. Well, shit, man. I mean, you're telling me about good wild rice. We're sitting here talking about immature acorns falling all over the place, mast year type stuff. Like, pretty the wheat's been was harvested three weeks early. That's a USDA fact. Yeah, no, it um, went, it went got harvested the, super early this year. The soybeans are going to be coming out early too, and then the corn following that, and well, we are we're going to have a good year. Damn it. I bet they, I bet they start cutting silage early. In fact, I've already seen a silage field cut, probably because Absolutely. the corn was shit. I've heard that high moisture corn was coming out too, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's goose food and duck food everywhere, and I do believe, and I have seen like a couple of ponds around here where there's a like a thick mud ring because it's very dry, mm-hmm. and then you get into that mud ring, and there is ducks. I mean. The ducks are, are taking advantage of the low water that's exposing new food sources around here. Well, if you think about it, if we're, if we're going to go down the food migration thing 
And the Dakotas are as dry as I'm hearing, and even western Minnesota. I've, I saw a picture of the Ottertail River is like almost bone dry in spots. Well, all those parts of Minnesota, we have lakes that aren't going to go dry. So if the little tiny shallow ponds in the Dakotas like literally dry up, dry up, where are they going to go? Are they going? It does sound like they have dried up, dried up. Yeah, some of them have. So are they going to make a multiple states move? Are they just going to slide east and take advantage of some of our permanent lakes? Or something they might also do is over overfly, like just migrate early, just go through the areas that have no food all the way to their winter areas. Right. And that's possible too. I know people are seeing somebody. I think it was on the uh, Big Honker podcast, one from maybe last week. Jeff Stanfield was saying, "Oh, we have blue winged teal here. It's the earliest I've ever seen it." Which I don't know when they recorded that podcast, but I'm sitting here right now on August 24th. Like, it's not early to have blue winged teal in Texas. The blue winged teal migration pushes through the Midwest, like August, like August 15th to August 20th, really. like a central flyway, South Dakota, North Dakota. Yeah, I was reading something about them too, and it's like those those blue winged teal that nest, you know, in Alaska and way the hell up there. Like they're making their move. You know, some of those have go all the way to freaking Jamaica or South America even. So that, I mean, they got a they got a lot of distance to cover. Right, and it's a very spread out migration. Uh, the number one duck species shot on. Our opening day is blue-winged teal, which is in late September. That's another month from now. Right, and that's a buddy of mine, uh, Joel, and I were talking about that. And he's like, you know, when you think about it, you, you we're just going off of anecdotal stories of other people we know that hunt. It's like all they ever shoot is teal, you know, because we're talking about, like, where we should go if we want to try a teal hunt. And it's like, well, why don't we go here? Because every time we know people that hunt it, and their bag is almost always 95% teal. So we know they're there. At least they're, think, at least they're there in late September. And I think a lot of people's success teal hunting is just being there when they happen to be pushing through. Right. Just being there on a teal migratory day. I mean, it's almost like a species like a speckle belly. Like you find a bunch of them on a pond. Are they going to be there tomorrow? Yeah, I hit one of those days last <laughs> year, but it was later. And I mean, there was huge flocks of blue wings. I, I went out and I wanted to get on a diver hunt. And I think it was mid-october and there were some divers around but holy crap was there blue wing teal and i let two giant flocks go through my decoys because i was holding out for divers and then finally one just came right at me like i don't even know 50 75 strong and i shot once and like four of them fell i was like oh jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) limited almost almost it's like i didn't even want to pump another shot because it's like, well, I do still want to shoot a diver, and I didn't. Well, I mean, maybe technically I shot a merganser later. That doesn't count. It doesn't. No, it doesn't count as a diver. No. It counts as a merganser. That's right. <laughs> they do dive, however, but not listed as a diver duck. That always threw me off. I didn't actually know that until a few years ago. Like, wait, you mean those don't count towards my duck limit? <laughs> those are bonus bonus yeah. birds i mean it's not like i go out there like nice we smashed a limit of hooded bergansers which is only two uh, <laughs> six just kidding just yeah. kidding <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't mind a full a full limit of uh commons 
they're cool looking. That'd be a pretty sick pile picture. Where were you at Game Fair? Uh, I was only out there one day. I was uh, um, the first weekend Saturday I was there. I was at the uh, at Premier, hanging out with Premier Flight. So with throwing in at Molt Gear and Big Al's, everybody's just we just keep adding people to the, to the mix. Yeah, I talked to Big Al for a while. That was cool. We talked about his uh, trip to Cold Bay, Alaska. Did you get to chat with him about I that? I did not. Fuck. No, he gave me a kick-ass hat, though. That was pretty nice of him. Oh, man, we sat there and talked stories about Alaska for a bit. That was really sweet. I bet. And uh, I asked Joe, too. I was like, did you talk to Big Al about his trip to Alaska? He's like, no. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I knew he did it. It sounds like Al just wasn't bringing it up to people, apparently. Huh. <laughs> And was but this no, a hunting was, trip or just uh Yeah, he shot like banded brands, cackling what? geese. He shot uh um all sorts of limits of pintails up there, like eight bird they got an eight bird limit, eight bird limits of pintails. Oh my God. Let's go. Yeah. He's not one to bust out his phone and start showing pile picks to everybody, you know? Yeah. Dang. That's I cool. am going. I'm going to Alaska twenty twenty three. I already made my mind up. Twenty twenty three. Yep, right. I'm going to go shoot cacklers and crowberries. What are crowberries? It's like a wild berry that grows over, like, all over the place, as oh. well as a bunch of other berries. But, like, the cackling geese, the minimas, before they get to agriculture, that's what they go feed in is, oh. is berry patches. They might be tasty. So, that's what I've heard is they're delicious, and then you'll get their feathers are all stained, like, with blueberries and blackberries. And, well, I think they eat mostly crowberries. I knew what a crowberry and, was, but I, when you said crowberries, I was thinking like some other kind of like weird subspecies of goose that I hadn't heard of or something. <laughs> no, so I want to do that. That's always been like a dream of mine since I heard about it a couple of years ago. Hmm. <laughs> like, I think I read it in a study like, yeah, cackling geese eat berries in Alaska before they migrate. Like, okay, well, I've seen what a cackler feed looks like on a piece of agriculture. Yeah, that would so, be interesting. And it's all public land. I mean, so I'm going to would... have to fly the honker hauler cart up to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> call, it a, call it a stroller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I could check it on a plane, $30. Right. $30, $30 for your first bag, right? That's right. The Southwest right. go up there, you get two bags for free. Uh, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Hell yeah. Anyways, um, early goose is coming up. Yeah, early. T- are you going to, you know what? People always ask me to, when do you start scouting for geese? Uh, around October 15th when I get bored. <laughs> That's the answer to that question. Like, <laughs> when do you start scouting for, for September geese? That's when, like after September. I don't, I don't scout September geese. <laughs> you just pick a random field and set up. I do molt migrants and. That's it, basically. I, and then usually I'll, I'll sneak a trip in there. And if I do a trip, then I will scout during the trip. It's a great time. People neglect this as a time frame for a trip. September 1. September 1 is an awesome time to take a trip for Canada geese. Because everybody's so jacked to go hunt geese in their backyard. You know, like in Minnesota, it opens that first Saturday, which is like September 4th. But in a lot of states and in a lot of provinces... It opens September 1. Right. Every single year. Well, everybody's just burning 
$250 a week in gasoline scouting around for a field, you know, in their backyard for opening weekend so they can have their good opening day bash. It's a great time to get away from your backyard where there's a lot of people hunting and go to someplace very, very rural. I mean, there's going to be people who want to hunt around there too, but they won't have the tourists around. So the more rural you get, the less competition there will be, not only from locals, but also from tourists. They're just the tourists don't think to take trips on opening weekend. That's when they do their backyard bashes. Right. So I'll either take a trip. I do a lot of trips on September ones. I've been known to take guide jobs um, for for September, hunt molt migrants. But no, I'm not gonna go. You know, I'm not gonna be very enthusiastic about leaving leaving my wife till 11 p.m. when the sun goes down to get a wheat, you know, get 15 no's and then, uh, <laughs> so then, a tra- then a traffic field, get a traffic field, get permission on that, and then wake up at 2 a.m. and go out there and the roost got busted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it can happen. It's just, it's a high-risk, low-return. Well, fortunately, the area that I like to target, does, the roost can't get busted because it's a shit plant, but... Oh, nice. I don't know when I'm going to have time to scout, to be honest. I'm like, I'm booked. My my, I would have done it this weekend, but I'm taking my uh, sister and nephews camping. The nephews have okay. never been camping, and they're all jacked up about it, so... That'll be fun. Yeah, like their their dad as is. As long as you don't like not do fishing while you do that. Oh, of course we're fishing. That's just. Oh, don't stupid. fucking ruin it for those kids. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to enjoy the outdoors. He loves gonna... it. They love it. Well, one of them is really into it, and the other one's like, yeah. If they're just crushing everything he's in, if the, you have to work at it even a little bit, he's out. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, their dad is like he's a, he's a what I call an avid indoorsman. So he's he's out. He's has, he's fine with them doing it, but he's like, I'm not. Well, a, avid indoorsman. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do the outdoors. That's cool. Yeah, he likes to read books. That's what he does. Sure. But you can anyways. read books on boring fishing trips that your friends force you to go on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, you certainly can. But yeah, I'm definitely getting the itch. Uh, I'm trying to find some time to get all the decoys rigged up and cleaned up, flocked up. Yeah, that's same. I need to just go through the trailer, make sure, you know, evict a bunch of mice if there are any. And I still need to face my garage as far as like, it's still mostly ice fishing stuff in the front of it because that's what was used in the garage last. So I need to pull all that stuff out, get all the hunting stuff forward, put the ice fishing stuff in the back so I can easily grab it as needed. I know this year what I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I won't scout. Maybe I'll do a water hunt for geese because that's what I do. why not why why not combine the early teal season with some goose hunting exactly you know yeah, I picked up best a few, of both uh, worlds picked up a few lucky flashers with remotes at uh the lucky duck booth i've seen our uh sponsors as well saw boss shot shells very nice very nice yeah they were there they had a big old camper with boss all over it lee was there um we should throw a shout out to them. They are an official sponsor now, too. By the way, official sponsor. What kind of deal are we getting? I need ammo. Do you have a twenty gauge? I uh, will split. I some do. ammo with you. I do have twenty I'll, gauge. I got. I got some three by fives. Some uh, th- the three by five stacked load. Very nice. Those will be some nice honker crushers. I, I it it's it doesn't. 
I know you do it, and it's hard for my brain to accept it, but I'll I'll break out the old I'll break out the twenty. You saw a twenty? I used it for pigeon hunting. Oh yeah, that's right. That eight seventy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely should shoot some stack load three by fives. And if you're skeptical, just look up you know facts on the internet about, <laughs> <laughs> about fake, how hard you... <laughs> fake news. This this post is going to get flagged for misinformation. <laughs> Just you can look up, you know, like a ballistic, ballistic gel and how far pellets travel through it, bismuth compared to steel, and you know, pounds per square inch and feet per second at different distances. It's all out there. Yeah, I've, I've been known to try to take a tall poke. I don't, I, that'll probably keep me from not doing it, whether that's a legitimate concern or not. But def- I actually, I found the opposite when I shoot premium ammunition. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, more the not as so much the premium. Is the twenty gauge part of it just less? Oh, sure. Less BBs. Yeah, yeah. I will do that if there is like, even if I get a cripple, it's like a slow part of the day or the end of the day, and we're out here in a big wide field, and I got all the time in the world to go find that sucker. That's when I'll. I like. I love to do that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> for me, I love to do that. Yeah, for me, it comes into play when it's just it's a slow day, and you're just getting basically it's glorified pass shooting and you get that one that's just under the ceiling a little bit and you're like you know what i'm gonna give it a go yeah let's not call it glorified because all pass shooting is glorious well. and i love it <laughs> <laughs> what i mean is you didn't go to that particular spot to pass shoot you went to decoy but all you're getting is pass shots so yes yeah that's what i mean that's what yeah sometimes though that turns out fun too as long as a bird, I get to hear a bird thump on the ground, it's all good. Especially when you hit it with some bismuth 3 by 5 boss <laughs> stacked loads, and you heard it thump on the ground from 65 yards up. You're like, that's oh. not an ethical shot. Well, the dead bird would say otherwise. Right. Have you looked up facts on the internet, by the way? Misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> well, as an official spot, I should probably put their logo on our, our uh, episode cover art. Can you? I can. I sure can. Are you going to ever change the uh, intro uh, music to someday. some good dudes calling? Someday. <laughs> we'll get around Come to on. it. Maybe tonight. <laughs> it's probably just always so I, It's always in the back of my mind, like, oh, I should do this. And then I find something else to do, and then I don't get around to doing it. But Dude, I feel it, you on that. I feel you. Don't worry about it. It is, it, it is on my to-do list of that it's and a hundred other things. It's just the quality of products that we're putting out to the public. That's right. It's no big deal. It doesn't deal. need to be good. It doesn't Listen, need to I haven't good. had anybody except for you come to me like, dude that intro bro okay what's your what's your email address <laughs> if the seven <laughs> listeners could please write dale to tell him please i want to do it more so just to um honestly just to i don't know jazz it up a bit just to separate it from my normal episodes i think it would just be a good idea just uh you know and i got i got a lot of people asking me what crazy shit are you going to do this here nick you know in terms of like you know, trying to get skunks because I'm going to be, you know, that type, <laughs> that type of stuff like materializes. I feel like as the season yeah. gets going a little bit, you know, I'll you do my a... molt migrator hunts, and then the birds get a little stale, and then I start going. I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to do. So- I can feel it. I got a crazy <laughs> idea, and then I run with it straight into the wall. So, um, 
You're gonna put I'm, some floats on that decoy hauler, like swap out the tires for paddles, I don't so you can think so. get out to a sandbar. <laughs> what I do predict is gonna happen is <laughs> is I'm going to be using that thing to go across a frozen lake at and a 500 watt wheel will electrocute the shit out of me after I break <laughs> through the ice with it. <laughs> like I got a great idea. I'm gonna just walk across this whole lake with my electric carts. Ice hunting is super fun. It is. Oh, I I think those might be the most decoyable geese. And dude, my cart too. I put Austin DeLuna in it and I basically ran him up the street just to <laughs> <laughs> put like six layout lines in there and Austin DeLuna. I was like, all right, let's go. Because Austin's small is like, that's a lot of weight in there, but I want more. Jump in. I want more. Get in there get in there and he's just riding it you know like slamming the button i could barely keep up that's fine hit a pothole and now austin's dead <laughs> it happens <laughs> he lived a good 23 years <laughs> you know, life is dangerous you gotta take some risks it will be so, cool to see a thing in operation on the first like cornfield where you just like can just go see how she does right or I mean, people are saying mud, but I'm not holding my breath for mud. There's nothing that works in mud. Right. That's called sleeping in. I've seen an ATV with tracks work in mud. Mm, I was just going to say you need to rig up some sort of track system on your cart. A Subaru gets through mud. (laughs) A Subaru gets through anything. (laughs) If you've got like an 05 or earlier Subaru wagon, you're good with some okay tires on it. Yep, (laughs) you can get through it. Other than that, my legs, that's it. Right. Walking through mud just sucks. Everything about mud sucks. It does. At that point, if it's like a muddy field, I will go hunt a lake. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you know, they they just got like three inches of rain down by Rochester today. Dude, we got a ton of rain here. Yeah. So that could, I mean, the ground is really dry. Probably soaked it up like a sponge, but. I mean, that, that right. should fill up a couple temporary wetlandish areas, well, I, saw I think. Some, I saw some wet ditches here today mm-hmm. um, after our rainfall. I mean, one thing I've noticed, too, like these, these waterfall biologists, like, okay, we're in a dry year, and that's not great. Ducks don't nest, and then sometimes they don't re-nest as successfully. Okay, we get it. But then when they start talking about rain, it'll be like, well, it rained four inches out in the Dakotas or something. And they're like, well, that's not good because, you know, the really heavy rainfall picks up a lot of sediment. And the sediment fills in the pond, and then the plants can't get any light, and all the plants die. And they're like, okay, well, this area picked up just a little bit of rain, you know. And they're like, well, that's not good either because the ground's like a sponge. <laughs> The ground is like a sponge, and none of it gets to the wetlands because the topsoil is so dry. It's like, right. what fucking rain is good? Yeah. What fucking rain is good for you? Can the you please three days paint, of like sprinkling? <laughs> yes, is that what it takes? <laughs> like, and then somehow magically, it's the type of rain that plugs everybody's drain tile or something. Right? Yeah. Right. It's raining hair gel and water. <laughs> but I just, I was just listening to that stuff. Like, what? It, can you paint a picture of a scenario that you like? please dennis Just anderson negative negative <laughs> he's the worst oh uh, yeah i don't want to even talk about my disdain nemesis he's a nemesis dennis is what I would call anderson I never should, met the guy should, I, get him on the, should I try to get him on the podcast fuck no <laughs> dude i was wondering like even like at game fair like what if 
I saw him. I would just throw my lemonade on the motherfucker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't even say anything about that. I just, he's probably a nice guy with a really nice family. And I just really don't like the things he writes about waterfall. Hunting. Um, no, I'm not, I, I don't like him in general. I, I think he's the worst outdoor writer you could possibly have because I don't know that he's ever, at least not in the last 10 years, written a favorable article about the outdoors. Everything is doom and gloom. He judges everybody. He has he just shits on everything. That's just what he does. Right. It's kind of his shtick, you could call yeah. it. Well. But I think that's hurtful for up his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just hurtful for our industry and the so I don't know. I, dude, I gave out I'm giving out free duck and goose calls to kids and telling everybody everything's gonna be all right, you know? And wearing headphones. Yeah, that was cool. Are we trying to protect Dude, your I hearing or what? <laughs> no, I just do it, you know, for comic effect. Oh, well, it worked. It was hilarious. It was kind of funny. No, dude, on Sunday, that was the best day. I was telling the kids, like, it's the last day of game care. I was telling all the groups of kids, like, we have to blow this tent over, guys. I need all the lungs on deck. Like, blow as hard as you can. And on Sunday, after I handed out the goose calls, um, I was like, three, two, one, hit it. They're like, what? <laughs> the most annoying sound in the world. And, um... It just goes and goes and goes. It was like an applause at the State of the Union address. Nice. It must have went on for like two minutes solid to like to the point where a, just a crowd is gathering on the other side of the tent, like where all the booths it's are. Like, like what is going booth. on? What the fuck is happening over there? But <laughs> I had to, I had to make two emergency orders from Buck Gardner. Uh and he got him to me. Buck Gardner was awesome uh, wow. to deal with. Yeah, I made it. I put $1,400 on the old credit card and got, um, well, what I originally bought was like 100 goose calls out of my pocket. And I was like, all right, 15 kids a day, 15, 30, 45, two weekends. That's 90. I'll have 10 left. And so after weekend one, I had 10 goose calls left. I was like, whoa. Dude, I have that under weekend was ridiculous. I've never right. seen so many people. Like, everybody so was running out of stock on, like, day two. I know, yeah. At the Pacific Calls booth, we ran out of stock, too. Yeah, Big um, Al like had, just like, like four, box, four boxes decoys left. Like, all the calls yeah. were, like, flying out of the tent from uh, Molt Gear. It was, like, just ridiculous. Oh, Pacific set a record, too, with how many calls they sold. It, it's just, it was a great show. How did the Nick J uh, Signature Series do? We sold a million, a million um, units. A million, wow. <laughs> a million units. I'm a millionaire now. No, like, we, if you made one dollar, you're you're doing good. It far exceeded my expectations. I didn't really. I'm not gonna go in there and be like, I'm selling a hundred goose calls. Not nothing like that. You know, it's a new thing, and mm -hmm. it's more expensive than a lot of the other goose calls a guy can get. And those other goose calls are pretty damn good too. So, uh, it far exceeded my expectations. It was really, it was a really humbling and not humbling and it felt great it felt great to sell that many goose calls and see people's reactions to all the hard work that uh you know us at pacific calls put into it yeah that's cool yeah it was awesome and uh and then i opened up for uh, online sales now and you can order direct through me and i sold a lot more i was like awesome this is sweet, sweet. dude i'm in the process of getting them all tuned up and shipped out right now i won uh this don't don't fall see of me because it has to do with fishing. But it was just a a silent a silent auction, and they had a a call there that I bid on. There's only one bid, and it was like 
50 bucks. I put 60 on there and ended up getting it. Nobody else bid on it. It's a really nice duck all. I think it's uh What did you get? Shit, I should run out the car and grab it. Um is it a custom calls? Shit, I don't remember. It's white. CNS? Yeah, I think so. CNS is our great duck calls. Yeah, I think and, it is. And goose calls. I think it is a CNS. I thought Mike, it was a goose call. I didn't, you know, blow it while I was looking at it. it just it was a big white Mike's, call. Like, oh. So Mike Selzner owns CNS Custom Calls, and he's been a sponsor of our calling contest for for years and years and years up at Game Fair. Very generous of him. And uh, this year, he kind of outdid himself. And for all the winners of the contest, um, he had put like an, a specially engraved duck call and then put that kind of like in a trophy display case that they each, all the winners got to keep. That was super cool. Can't thank Mike at CNS Calls enough for that awesome I do need to prize get, package. I do need to get him on the podcast because a, a buddy of mine is like really good friends with him. I just need to just have a time to reach out. Guess who else was sponsoring that calling contest boss boss ammunition boss. they gave all the winners of our calling contest got a free case of balls Whoa. and Holy they shit. straight up just cut a check for our sanctioning fees they put up a bunch of cash and uh put up a bunch of ammunition for the, our winners so you know and pacific calls too they always are there helping out like i just I got to give shouts out to the guys that, that keep this community alive and, yeah, and care sure. and ca- just care about it, you know, like, and I had, uh, you know, GK calls, donating calls, Delta waterfall, donating calls for the youth calling clinics. Like, it's just awesome when you, uh, when you, when you ask people or they volunteer, just kind of like, I want to help nurture our community. And it's like, hell yeah. That's awesome. Hell yeah, it is. So anyways, dude, should we, uh, should we wrap it up? Good on that. Yeah, absolutely. That was fun um yeah we'll just wrap this one up and uh getting excited let's do it getting excited to our next podcast today is uh tuesday next wednesday is september 1st perhaps we should go get skunked in wisconsin i I know you want i know you i know you want to i could be talking to that let's go get skunked it's a date all right. <laughs> Should we do what we do last year and just like scout for some public land and set up on it, like, and do the podcast as we're driving out? We could. That would be actually kind of fun. Damn right, it would be. It was fun last time. I mean, everybody was there with. I actually got decent feedback from it. It's like, oh, you know, oh, this is standing corn. That's not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> on, I actually on to got the next spot. I got some feedback from that episode too. That was yeah. like, that was really cool. You guys are just like, oh, look at that. It's a big hilltop we could set up there. You know what we should do? Go set up in that same fucking spot we did last year. <laughs> Actually, it might not be the worst idea. It could also, isn't there teal season's open too, isn't it? September 1st? It is. Uh, I believe it is, but we should definitely double check on that. Well, obviously we will. So maybe we should do well, a water. There's probably no spot. water in it. Oh, there was There was water. There was there. a pond. There was a pond. Yeah. Huh. Well, probably we'll have not to. like a very easily accessible pond. Probably not. But, but you know, it might be around though. There might be like good, like exposed sandbars on some spots that we can just walk out to oh, and set up. For sure, I actually know a little spot too that might be pretty good. But yeah. I was gonna say now. Oh yeah, dude, a bunch of prairie grass is gonna be much shorter than it was last year too. You would think. 
for prairie hunts. You know, we could maybe squeeze a prairie hunt in. Maybe. I mean, the, the grass, I, I mean, my property I have is pretty much prairie. And it's, even though it's been dry, it's still pretty tall. It's robust? Yeah. yeah Damn it. Those prairie grasses are, I mean, they've evolved to handle dry conditions. So. All right, buddy. Well, I will chat with you later. All right. Sounds good, dude. All right. Talk to you next Wednesday for our skunk day. Yes. All right. See you. Bye. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.